Have you ever been so stressed out in life, feeling so overwhelmed, that you just wanted to vanish into thin air? Leave everything behind, not tell anyone where you're going or how long you're going for, and just go off to some tropical paradise to be alone and collect your thoughts? If that sounds like you, or a situation you've ever been in, well, I've got a treat for you today. Because I did it. About five years ago, I was on the verge of having a nervous breakdown. I just said, F it, and I walked away from everything and flew off to Chiang Mai, Thailand, not telling a soul where I was going or how long I was going for. And you know what? It was the best decision I've ever made. So listen up, because I'm about to tell you how I did it and what I learned along the way. Welcome to the Everglow. I think we've all been in situations in life where we just wanted to leave everything behind and get lost for a while. The problem is, as you grow up in life, you have more attachments, more obligations, more responsibilities, and it's really tough to just pick up and get lost. We don't want to miss bill payments. We have job obligations. We don't want to get fired. You name it. But sometimes you just have to let it all go for the purposes of self-preservation. Picture it. The year was 2015. It had been a really hot summer. A couple of years before, I'd started getting involved with car accident cases. Yeah, the old ambulance chaser. Minus chasing the ambulances, of course, because I don't like to do those scummy things other attorneys do. But nonetheless, I'd moved into the realm of personal injury. It had gone pretty well. I was learning the ropes, and I thought I had a couple of competent people who said they would mentor me and pretended to know what they were doing. Come 2015, though, I had a couple of really difficult cases that I ended up having to file lawsuits on. Now, things are generally not that difficult, but once you file a lawsuit, things can go well or they can go bad. And going bad often starts with the opposing counsel, that being the attorney for the other side, being a dick. In 2015, still being a rookie at personal injury, at least on the litigation side, I encountered two asshole attorneys on two different cases. The cases had no question of who was at fault. It was clearly their client's fault. But these old school dinosaur attorneys, instead of dealing with the facts of the cases, just simply decided to make my life a living hell. I don't know if they were getting billing money from the insurance company and just doing stupid things to perhaps fill up their bank accounts, or they're just naturally dicks. But it wasn't the status quo, and still isn't to this day. But with some bad luck, these cases were pretty much going to go to trial. And the two people that had pretended to know everything about personal injury that were working with me, well, it turned out they were fucking idiots. They had no clue what they were really doing, and when shit hit the fan, they fled leaving me to hold my balls in my hand, trying to figure out what the hell to do. I was scared out of my mind, honestly. Why? Because I hadn't really done a full trial yet. All my cases had settled, and we'd gotten good results, but I was getting nervous and fearful of doing a trial, especially in another part of the state, where sometimes these old dinosaur attorneys can be buddy-buddy with the judge and play all sorts of games that really don't work out well for you. I was starting to feel crushed under the pressure. I felt pressure from the clients to get them an amazing result. I was pressuring myself to get 
everything done perfectly and I was still learning the ropes. I felt all the negativity and toxicity from the other attorneys who were just being jerks for literally no reason. And I felt a lot of poison from these two losers who had been part of my law practice that pretty much vanished, but wanted to somehow keep their hands in the pot in case money came in. I literally felt like quitting law altogether. I'm not going to get too much more into detail about the cases, but it was living hell for me. It was easily the hardest part of my 11 years of practice, that moment or those moments in 2015 when I thought I had to go to trial. I literally thought I was going to die and have a nervous breakdown. Not in that order, of course. So come October 2015, one last-ditch effort involved doing a mediation to resolve one of the two cases. That mediation went terrible. Now, mediation, for those that don't know, is a process in which you basically hire a mediator, a neutral third party, to basically be like a referee. And at a mediation, the other side shows up, usually the attorney and the insurance adjuster, and you show up as the plaintiff with your clients, and you try to work out a number. And the mediator helps you achieve a fair settlement. Well, this shitbag up in Central California, the attorney, agreed to do the mediation. Me and my clients drove all the way up there. We spent night in a hotel at whatever cost. And we show up to the mediation the next morning. And that attorney shows up basically saying, I'm here at the mediation and I've shown up with zero dollars. I'm not offering you guys anything. So literally he had shown and agreed to do this mediation in bad faith. I should have really filed sanctions against him. But again, solo practitioner attorney wasn't well versed in some of the local rules in that part of the state. I just had to take it on the chin. He was just playing these stupid games. He's one of these attorneys you could kind of look at, his, look at him in his eyes and see that there wasn't really much left of his soul there. Probably a couple divorces, kids didn't talk to him, one of those kind of guys. You meet them every now and then. But nonetheless, when I got home that day, I remember ripping the phone battery out of my phone, putting my phone somewhere or throwing it somewhere, and I literally went to bed wearing my suit. The stress and the pressure from all these different corners and that mediation just was too much. It was overwhelming for me. I didn't know what to do, who to turn to. I felt like I was looking down the barrel of a shotgun. And so I did something I'd never done before. I left. That's right. For the first time in my life, I just threw caution to the wind and I left the country. The morning after that disastrous mediation, I woke up, I went to Expedia.com, and I booked a ticket to Chiang Mai, Thailand. Now, before, I was always averse to taking a lot of trips, because if I'm not here at the office, then, well, while I do have help, there's no attorney to get new clients, and no one really to deal with emergencies as they come up. And the problem with these two lawsuits is, these a-hole attorneys were dropping emergencies, fictitious ones at that, but they were dropping these things on me all the time, which required my presence. But I said, F it, and I left anyway. So I booked a trip to Chiang Mai, leaving a couple weeks later. 
I didn't tell anyone I was going except for my paralegal. Now, she's amazing, and thank God for her. But I just had to leave because I knew if I told people where I was going or that I was going, my life would even be more of a living hell because everybody would start asking me questions. They'd ask me to do more stuff when I was already overwhelmed. And I was in self-preservation mode. My first stop on my trip was going to be Bali. Then I was going to spend a couple of weeks in Chiang Mai. And then on the tail end, I was going to go to India. I remember the morning of my flight to leave. I got in my car to drop it off at my parents' house. And I could feel like 100 pounds just melt away from me. I didn't even know my body had been so tense until I closed my car door and until I got in that airport. And for those of you that travel a little bit, you know that feeling when you get to the airport. You feel like revived because you know what's coming. You're leaving. You're leaving the stress of LA. You're leaving that life behind that was grinding you. It was a fantastic feeling, and I knew I was doing the right thing. My first stop was Bali. I hadn't been before, but I was excited to go. I'm not going to dwell too much on Bali. That's for another episode. But there's something special about Bali. There's a magical energy to that island. I'm not sure if it's because it's volcanic or what, but for those that have been, you know what I'm talking about. And for those of you that have not been, I highly recommend it. It's getting pretty crowded these days, but there's still a lot of areas where you can find some peace and quiet. I remember getting to Bali very late at night. The driver picked me up at around 11 p.m. at the airport, drove me to this villa, and I remember having a great sleep. And I remember when I woke up. Have you ever woken up in a new country where you're just in a totally different place? The air is different. There's sounds and animals in the background that you don't normally hear. I remember it so vividly. In fact, it was such a vivid memory and a vivid experience that morning I woke up in Bali that I recorded it. I walked out of the villa and I recorded it. So I'm going to play the audio of my first recording when I arrived in Bali right now. And for good measure, I'll post the video on the website for you to check out. So here's my first morning in Bali and my first thoughts. Well, it's been about 48 hours of transit, but I'm finally here in Bali, Indonesia. And uh, yeah, I think I got about three hours of sleep so far. But you know when you're on vacation and you wake up in this new place after arriving in the night, you just hear some monkeys in the background, exotic birds. You know what? You just don't really feel tired anymore. You start to feel alive actually for the first time, like you've been sleeping for the last, you know, six months before your last vacation. So here we are, I'm excited to start my first day here in Bali. I'm already seeing lots of uh, new animals and plants everywhere. And uh, I feel light, I feel light. I'm really glad um, I can share this journey with you guys and uh, hope to post more videos. But, you know, a little tour of this little alleyway, which you'll only find in Bali. We have a really cool villa um, right through these doors behind me. and. Uh, Excited to share with you more of this as we get forward, we'll go forward today. So stay tuned and I'll talk to you later. It was amazing how different I felt just that day. And all I needed to do was get on a plane and fly to the other side of the planet. I knew I had made the right decision. Now again, I'll get into Bali on its own on another episode. 
but Bali was just my gateway to get to Chiang Mai. Now, for those of you that don't know about Chiang Mai, it's a town in northern Thailand. And since I've been, it's just exploded. It's become a real hub for digital nomads. It was already emerging back then. And the reason I had Chiang Mai in my mind is because I had visited it the previous year on a Kontiki trip. For those of you that haven't been on a trip with Kontiki, that's spelled C-O-N-T-I-K-I, they're a tour company for 18 to 35-year-olds, and they do some crazy tours. I mean, they are exciting. The people you travel with are awesome. It's not just a museum trip and have dinner and go to bed. I mean, you're up all night. It's awesome. Highly recommend. But in my tour a year previous, I had gone, or we had gone to Chiang Mai, but we'd only spent about two days there. And I remember wanting more. It was an incredible little town where it had all the amenities, but it still had culture. And it seemed like a place where people would just go to run away from the world, which is exactly what I was doing. So I went there on purpose because not that I was super familiar with the place, but it looked like a good way to hide out from the rest of the world. And hide out I did. I booked this cool hotel called the Green Tiger Vegetarian House. They served amazing food. Part of the hotel was a hostel. And I booked a wicked room in the hotel part overlooking the mountain. And it was just perfect. I'll post some pictures on the website for you guys to check out. But imagine waking up, having this amazing breakfast served to you, prepared from scratch, not some buffet, super healthy. And you're surrounded by a bunch of other travelers. And this is one of the benefits of staying in a hotel that also has a hostel component because everybody there is kind of there on their own and looking to meet people. So you're all perfect strangers to a degree. My goal was to do absolutely nothing. That doesn't mean sitting in my hotel, but I didn't have any tours planned or plans to meet anybody in particular. I was just going to wake up whenever, do whatever and sleep whenever. And more importantly, just be away from all of that terrible energy back in Los Angeles. One of the benefits to flying to the other side of the planet is people generally can't reach you. I'm with T-Mobile, so the phone calls are generally free. However, I decided to keep my phone off. And on top of that, since you're on the other side of the world, you're awake when everyone's asleep and vice versa. So you don't have to worry about your phone ringing. And there's no temptation to answer it. My other promise to myself was... I wasn't going to bring a laptop, nor was I going to check any emails at all. I didn't want to open emails and find bad news or something that was going to ruin my day. I had had enough days ruined with some stupid email. So I decided to just go dark. And it was awesome. I decided to just see what would happen and let the chips fall where they may. And I'll tell you what happened afterwards when I'm done recounting my time away in Chiang Mai. But it was a great trip. I met these two awesome people. I met a lot of people, actually. But there are two people that really stuck out to me. There was one girl. Her name was Siobhan. She had lived all over the world. She was currently teaching in San Diego. And she had come to Chiang Mai. And her and I, we had met at the hostel. And we would have just amazing conversations. I always remember some of them. She once told me that as she's traveled the world and she meets random travelers, she noticed a commonality among all of them. And that is most people that travel 
are either traveling because they're running away from something or they're searching for something, usually within themselves. Man, was she ever right. We had a great time, days and nights talking about life. You learn so much from other people when you travel. It's interesting too, when you travel, you develop these bonds with strangers at a level that is greater than friends you've known for years back home. I think of my friends that I made along my Contiki trip when I went to Vietnam in 2013. And I remember the camaraderie and the depth of our friendships. And I have that with these people that I was with for two weeks at a level that's greater than friends I've known for five years here. But back to my story in Chiang Mai. So I would just wake up, have these amazing breakfasts. I'd go on long walks. I would just explore the city on foot for four, six hours, just walking aimlessly, stopping at cafes. Chiang Mai has this really cool cat cafe, by the way, which have become popular recently, where you just go sit down with a bunch of stray cats in a cafe. The food's awesome there. I'm not going to harp too much on Chiang Mai, but it's a great place to, to vanish. And as you're there, you kind of see some of these older German guys that run these restaurants, and they've kind of run away from the world too and set up shop there. I also made friends with a guy named Mike, who also is from Ottawa, and he ditched Ottawa just to move his life down to Chiang Mai as well. But along with my friend Siobhan, I met another guy. His name was Engel. And Engel is another world traveler of known, no known fixed address. And him and I would also have these really elaborate talks about life. And I remember another thing he told me, amongst the many things, was that the fact that you need anything in life, any possession, is just an illusion. We'd been having a milkshake by the river that day, and we'd just been walking the town and exploring. And I remember learning a lot about him because he really just lived out of a backpack. He didn't have a suitcase. He just had a big backpack and would hop from city to city around the world. You know, and he had nothing fancy and he'd wear his shoes until they'd wear out, at which point he'd buy new ones. He was one of these kind of hipster kind of guys, but he wasn't even one of these hippies that tries to be one. He was an authentic guy. And he had a philosophy about socialism and money and capitalism. And he was quite against a lot of the capitalist side of things, but we had some really good conversations about how to be happy, just living a very simple life. And those conversations really stuck with me because I always realized as life would go on from those days in Chiang Mai, that a lot of the things he said were true. You really didn't need to have a lot of things. And, you know, part of being an attorney or living in LA, forget about being an attorney, just being a human being here in North America, society kind of drives us to do more and be more and accumulate more, whether it's finances or accolades. And none of them really get you anywhere great because people with a lot of money still have a lot of problems. People with a lot of accolades still get sick. And what's interesting is a lot of the time we spend all these years accumulating wealth so we can have as much as we can, but all we really want is to live a life as though we had nothing. What does that mean? 
Well, what it means is that we want to get a lot of times, once we're probably in our late 30s or 40s, we want to get so much money that we don't have to work so that we could just live in a simple house by the ocean or by the lake, enjoying our hobbies. And what I mean by that is you're essentially wanting to live a life as though you really didn't have much, living a life in a small house on the lake. But instead, we go about it by trying to make a ton of money so we can live a life like we don't have any money. So why not focus our time and attention on just being happy, doing the things that make us happy every day? And I started analyzing these burdens I'd put upon myself. You know, people always encourage me, you know, you do well as an attorney, you're good at what you do, grow your practice, take on bigger cases, learn new types of law that'll make you more money. And that stuff didn't really permeate me too much. However, there was always a desire within me to always keep growing my practice. And, and yes, of course, make more money. Although I will say money's never been a giant factor in my life in terms of career, but I did see the want for getting that one big case, for example, so I could relax more. But after my trip to Chiang Mai and living this very simple, anonymous life, I started realizing that I really didn't need to keep pursuing all those things. That didn't mean I didn't have to earn a living and work and what have you, but it also meant I didn't have to kill myself to feed myself. I didn't have to die trying to live. Because the reality is, when we're stressing ourselves out all the time, trying to do more, trying to grow our business, or get that next promotion, we're stressing ourselves out to the extent that we're really just killing ourselves. I mean, people say, oh, well, you got to look at these icons like Steve Jobs, look what they did. He's dead. And he died young. And so in this trip to Chiang Mai, amongst all the things I did, visiting elephant sanctuaries, renting a motorbike, riding around the mountain, there's a huge mountain there which you can ride a bike around. I just, more than anything, what I remember most is the epiphanies that I was having, the clarity of thought I was having. And I was so grateful that I had taken the risk of vanishing from back home and going to Chiang Mai, where I was just this random guy by myself, with myself, where I could think clearly. Because when you're in the hubbub of life, pressure from business, clients, family, whatever problems you may or may not have going on, it is quite difficult to think. Because you're always processing all of the things that are immediately around you. But when you just ditch everything and leave, it's amazing how your mind changes. Now, the mind, the brain is plastic, as they say. And that means your brain chemistry and the physiology of your brain actually changes depending on your circumstances. If you're stressed out all the time, your brain actually changes so that it is ready to be stressed out all the time and it wants to be stressed out all the time. If you're happy all the time, your brain similarly changes to be happy all the time. When you're in a high-pressure environment like LA or whatever profession you're in, your brain chemistry will gradually change and not for the better. 
you can start experiencing these micro doses of stress. And I'll talk about that later. There's a, a great book I'm reading, and I'll, I'll do a whole podcast on that. It's down the road. But when you go on a trip and you, you delete all of these distractions, all these stressors, all these deadlines, all these pressures, you realize that you can think clearly and reach conclusions that you couldn't otherwise reach back home. And so those two weeks in Chiang Mai, I remember fondly because it was the first time I just really run away from pressure. Now I've taken a lot of vacations before and I feel amazing, but this is the first one I think where I left where I really needed some soul searching. And I'd asked, I had to ask myself, why had I taken on these couple of idiots on my law, in my law practice to help me out? And of course it was to grow my practice so I could make more money and whatever. But I didn't really need that. My practice was going fine. Why did I take on these more complicated cases? I remember when I was in law school, I told myself, I'm a non-adversarial guy. The last thing I want to do in law is be fighting with strangers over money. I didn't want to do that stuff. And there I found myself in 2015 doing exactly what I said I wasn't going to do. And what was happening as a result? I was at a breaking point because it wasn't my natural inclination to be fighting with these bastards over money. Now I do that to this day for a living. And fortunately I become very good at it. So it doesn't carry that stress that it used to. And also to be honest, I don't have encounters with nasty attorneys. That's just not how the business works. Usually the new generation of attorney, probably one generation ahead of me and, and younger we're more about what's the problem. I represent my client. You represent your client. Neither of us will take the client's case personally. Let's meet in the middle and let's fix this. But notwithstanding all of that, it was an enlightening trip. Just being able to walk around, just being able to eat a bag of potato chips and drink chocolate milk while watching some movie from the 90s on TV. Knowing that that phone was never going to ring with some frantic emergency from, from some frantic client. So while I was making this podcast, I actually found this tiny little four-inch book that I had written a bunch of notes in. Random thoughts, random musings in real time while I was in Chiang Mai. And so I thought I would read them, or at least some of the excerpts to you, because it's interesting reading them now five years later. So let me read them to you here, see if you can find anything of use to you. I realized that a lot of my stress was coming from people wanting things from me. Example, my dad wanted me to start bidding on things on eBay, and right away I felt my stress go up, since my plan here in Chiang Mai is to do nothing. Why are two weeks of vacation a joke? Here's why. Because they should be at least six weeks a year, given by every employer. And you must leave town for two of those six weeks. If you're a lawyer or a doctor, you should have two months off. And one month off every six months. Time goes very fast. Why it's easier to meet people when you're traveling? One, you don't care what people think about you. Two, you're more relaxed and therefore more yourself. Three, you're happier. 
Four, necessity. You're forced to interact with people you don't know. Number five, travelers have similar mindsets, so you therefore have more in common automatically. I remember I wrote this one with five days left on my trip. Only five days left. I'm finally feeling settled in. I met two awesome people. I focus on my theory of gravity. It will save time. My theory of gravity is the following. Focus your time on people who you vibe with. You'll know right away. Anyone else is wasting your time. And so those are just some of the little snippets of thought that had popped into my mind throughout my journey in Chiang Mai while my mind and my brain was cooling off from all of the pressure. It's amazing how stress can ruin you. And so when I think about those hot days in Chiang Mai, I just think about how peaceful and happy I was in those moments. And I had to take that chance. I had to take that chance to not open my emails while I was gone. I had to take that chance that, shit, what's going to happen with that case that's coming up for trial with that nasty attorney? What if he drops more bombs on me while I'm gone? I mean, thank God I had my paralegal there handling things. Because, you know, fortunately everything worked out while I was away. But sometimes to save your life, you have to pull yourself out of your life. I'm going to look up on the internet the story I read 15 years ago. It was about this kid. Maybe he was an adolescent. I don't remember how old he was. But he was suicidal. He suffered from some sort of depression. Something happened in his life. And he was suicidal. And before he decided he was actually going to kill himself, he thought, you know what? Screw it. I might as well have fun before I do it. So he took whatever money he had and he went to Mexico and he just went all over the place. And the story is a bit crude, but whatever. He ended up just going to Mexico, drinking, getting drunk every night, having sex with whoever he could, prostitutes, you name it. And at the end of a couple of weeks or a month of doing this, when he came back home, The last thing he ever wanted to do was kill himself because he realized how much fun life could be. And it's just because he was in the state of mind he was with whatever stressors he had in his life that he couldn't think clearly enough to see how fun and happy life could actually be. Now, I'm not saying you have to be happy by banging some hookers and stuff or being drunk in Mexico, although I can see why that would be appealing, minus the hooker part. But you can see how the change in environment can really help heal your mind. Because your mind actually wants to default to happiness. But when you're in the same environment with the same stressors all the time, you can't see anything different. It's almost like depression. And maybe it is depression in some cases. And what's the definition of depression? Well, one of them is the inability to see a future. And how can you see the future when you're just seeing the same negativity every day? So when I think about those Thai iced teas I was drinking in Thailand, those hot days on the motorbike rides, the pad thai, just walking, sweat glistening off of me in the heat, delicious milkshakes, not a care in the fucking world. I learned then that Every time 
things get a bit hot, I need to take a break. And it's not enough just to do a staycation and stay at home. Because for an empath or a sensitive person, that energy is still near you. You can feel it. And that's what makes an empath different than somebody else. They can just take a day off work and feel better. But for an empath, the proximity to that energy can still hurt you. The other beautiful part about being alone on a trip, and part of the reason I travel alone most of the time too, is you don't have to please anybody except yourself. When you're back home, if you work for a company, or whether you know it or not, you're trying to please your boss, your coworkers, your clients, and you're never really at peace because you're always trying to make everybody happy. And us empaths especially are extra sensitive about making people happy. We're natural born people pleasers, except unless you're a narcissistic empath. And I hope if you are, you're not listening to my show. You're not welcome here. But nonetheless, by escaping LA and being by myself in Chiang Mai, I could do whatever I felt like doing. My chains were broken. Those same chains that were bounding me. I woke up when I wanted. I ate when I wanted. I ate what I wanted. And I did whatever I wanted with whoever I wanted to do it with. There was no negotiation of where to have breakfast. Oh, I need a gluten-free, pescatarian, whatever, whatever diet. I'm a vegan. Oh my God, the place service meat. Oh my God. Like you don't have to deal with that bullshit. And there's nothing better than pleasing yourself. You find who you are and you enjoy who you are. So after that trip to Chiang Mai ended and I left, I knew I had done the best thing I could ever do for myself. Because they always say, don't run away from your problems. And I never had in my life until that moment. I took a big risk. At least I thought I was taking a risk at the time. But you know what? I would do it again. Now that I've been through it, Because you know what happened? After the trip was over and it felt refreshed, invigorated, I had new business ideas, I felt I had new direction. When I got home, I took a few days off, meaning I still didn't check my email or talk to anybody or answer voicemails. A little little part of me was a little bit scared to do so, but at some point I had to pull that Band-Aid off. And so after a couple of days... I think it was Monday by that point. I finally said, okay, time to open the email. Time to check the voicemails. And I thought my email was going to be littered with angry clients, emergencies, nasty voicemails. And you'll never guess what happened. Nothing. Yeah, sure. I had a bunch of emails. No emergencies. No one was mad. No one cared. Check the voicemails. A couple of voicemails here and there. Nobody was mad. No emergencies. Nothing happened. And I realized all those years I had been so fearful of leaving on a dime and not telling anyone, fearful of the repercussions. And I finally did it. And in this instance, there were no repercussions. And I'd let the illusion of bad things happening if I just vanished, I let that illusion 
hold me back from doing something like this earlier. And I'm not saying you should always do it. But I did it. I vanished. I took some very vital and critical me time. And it was a smashing success. Those two cases that were eating me alive, they went away. They got resolved. Everything worked out. And as I have kind of grown up, I've also learned that the way my brain had been structured or was gradually developing into was I had this way of thinking where I always had a worst case scenario kind of frame of mind. I always thought the worst case scenario for everything. If this happened, then that would happen. But as time went on, I realized that the worst case scenario never happened. And so especially this last year or so, I've been really training my mind to not worry about things because the worst case scenario never really happens. So that's my trip to Chiang Mai. I wanted to share that with you because it was actually a really important and maybe pivotal point in my life. I've had many of them, but that was one of them. Because if you've ever thought of just running away, you don't have to do it for good. Some people go to the extreme and they just disappear. They abandon their family or quit their job close their business. And I've thought of doing that over the years. But I realized you actually don't need to let that pen- pendulum swing all the way to the right. What you need is more breaks. You need more you time. You need more me time. You need more time to let your body and your mind rest. And sometimes the only way to do that is to run away, to be anonymous, to go somewhere and don't tell anyone so you can just be you. Sometimes you need to be that 19-year-old guy that went to Mexico, banged a bunch of hookers, came home, and found his joie de vivre, if you will. So that's my story of my trip to Chiang Mai and the time I ran away from everything. So next time you're feeling pressured, next time you're feeling like you can't handle the world anymore, don't. Give up. It's okay to quit. Run away for a while, find yourself, and come back a whole new person. Thank you for listening to our latest episode of Everglow. Check us out online at neilbartia.com, N-E-I-L-B-H-A-R-T-I-A.com, for more blog articles and latest episodes. Leave any comments and likes below, and we're happy to answer. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.